We all know, but still pay insufficient attention to the frightening scenario of a comprehensive cyber attack, which would bring to a complete halt to the power supply, transportation, hospital services, our society as a whole. The COVID-19 crisis would be seen in this respect as a small disturbance in comparison to a major cyber attack. To use the COVID-19 crisis as a timely opportunity to reflect on the lessons the cybersecurity community can draw and improve our preparedness for a potential cyber pandemic. Welcome to the Campermond podcast. My name is Mike Stibbs. Please consider subscribing, liking, commenting, sharing this video as it really does help us out. So a few weeks ago, Netflix dropped this new apocalyptic dramatic movie entitled Leave the World Behind, which is produced by Barack Obama's production company. This movie is full of layers. And in the first layer, what you're going to see is just a normal apocalyptic movie that kind of almost makes fun of some of the random conspiracy theories that are out there. The question is, does America fall or does America change? Do we end up leaving this world as we know it behind and eventually end up joining the new world order? Now, as we begin to pull back the layers of this movie, it's my contention, it's my opinion that the truth is much more scarier than any conspiracy theory out there. I hope you enjoy this podcast. Legit scientists right now are positing that we live in a simulation. I feel like a lot of stuff is going on in the world that's brought up a lot of these conversations, even in our last couple episodes, just with UAP disclosure and, you know, the Nephilim agenda that we always come back to. The world largely rejects their message and treats them as hostile extraterrestrials who must be stopped at any cost. Hey campers, we are coming at you with another episode of Camp Herman. I am Chris Price, and tonight we've got Tinfoil Tori and our boy Mikey Stibbs in the house. What's up, y'all? Good evening. How's it going, guys and gals? We are going to be talking about the film that's on Netflix. I think it's in the top 10 uh, most uh, viewed right now, uh, Leave the World Behind. So this is the official spoiler. Don't say that we didn't warn you. If you haven't seen the movie, we're going to be talking about it, hence the title of this show. So please don't have an attitude about us giving away what happens in the movie. If you haven't seen it right now, just pause this episode and don't unpause it until you've watched it. Or yeah, if you don't or... want to watch it at all, which honestly, I don't know that I would recommend it. We'll get into it. If you don't want to watch it at all, then proceed. But I just didn't want anyone's feelings to get hurt because we give away what happens in this horrible, horrible movie. <laughs> All right, Mike, this was your idea. You you <laughs> made us do this. Yeah. Um, I watched it at 4.30 uh, this morning. 
Uh, I'm going to save my opinions because I want you to kind of like, what did you have in mind with this? Like, why did you want to like talk about this movie? Yeah. Well, first off, you know, to Tori's point, yes, the movie, the movie is terrible. Um, If you really, I would suggest to, to watch, to listen to the podcast and then watch the movie, do it in reverse, get the spoilers alerts out of the way. Cause maybe you won't want to watch it by the time you listen to this. Um, either way, if you listen to this, I don't think it's going to ruin the movie. Cause I almost believe that everybody that watches this movie is walking away with a different perspective. And the reason why I wanted to talk about this so much, Chris, is I heard some online chatter coming from you know the christian community saying how oh this is predictive programming and i watched the movie and it's it's too obvious for it to be predictive programming okay like predictive programming is where you're trying to you know program somebody almost in secret to get them ready for something this is beyond you know, predictive programming. This is almost a satire of conspiracy YouTubers almost. It's almost like I feel like they made the movie so conspiracy YouTubers would get online and do a bunch of videos on it. And so having said that, not only is there many layers to this movie you know, I, I I definitely have an opinion on why Barack Obama, uh, why his company produced the movie. And I have some things to say, you know, on the conspiracy angle that aren't necessarily having to do with predictive programming and not even necessarily like them telling you what they're going to do. I think there is a level of humor that is in this movie that. Only if you're an elite like Obama, are you going to catch that humor, um, if you know what I mean. And I'll get into that in a little bit. I thought the movie was okay. Like, I thought it was relatively entertaining. Um, now, granted, I was watching it early this morning. But the the beginning of it was kind of rough. Um, so I think we should probably got to give the the plot of the movie. Um, so we've got this family, it's Julia Roberts and, um, Ethan Hawke. Uh, they're, they're, uh, they're married. They've got two kids and Julia in the beginning, her character, she surprises her family with this uh, trip to long Island. They live in the city. So they take this trip to long Island. She had rented this house, big, beautiful, you know, kind of eh, probably considered a mansion of, of a house. And, um, so they go, they're on vacation and all this, like, uh, the first night they're there, they get a knock on the door, George and his daughter. Um, and so they're, they're black and Julia Roberts and their family are, are white. And that is relevant, um, because the Julia Roberts is it's, it's, it's at night they're knocking and they're saying, you know, there's some, some weird stuff had happened. So they came to the house, but Julia didn't know who this guy was. So it's a stranger knocking on the door, you know, in the middle of the night. And so the daughter is kind of making some digs like she's being a little suspicious because they're, oops, because they're black. 
I don't think that's the case, uh, but that's kind of what you what you got in the movie. Um, so then all this like weird stuff just like starts happening. There's like power outages. Um, there's no internet. Guys, feel free to to jump in. Yeah, so weird stuff starts happening. Um, like they're on the beach, and this like ocean liner is like coming out of the water at them on the beach, and like there's weird stuff happening with like the wildlife and. Anyway, stuff kind of starts unraveling and getting worse and worse. But like one of the first things that I picked up on was that like you have Julia Roberts and the daughter um, who are kind of like aware of what's happening. And then, and this is so typical. I mean, like in every TV show now and every movie in all commercials, you have this like clueless father figure who's like not listening, who's like downplaying every single little thing. Um you know, not really like a solid leader for the family, but I don't know. I just, I kind of off the bat, that was one of the things I like didn't really appreciate, you know, that they're Ethan Hawke is like playing this like very foolish character of like, Oh, I'm sure it's fine. I'm sure it's fine. You know? Yeah. He totally was not uh, listening to his wife's intuitions about what was going on for sure. Not to say that I like her either. I actually, I told Mike at the very beginning, I was, I had a, I disagree with Chris. I did not think this movie really had like any redeeming values, like the acting, the plot, any of it. I did not think it was entertaining, but I was like, none of the characters are really likable people. I didn't think so. Anyway, not to say that I really like Julia Roberts, but just to say that, I don't know, like, of course, Obama is going to produce a movie where the father is like this, like wet mop of, of a guy, you know, I don't know. No, yeah, I definitely. Mop. Is that the phrase? Yeah, that's a good one. I think it's uh, it's a phrase. It's that, wet blanket. So appropriate. I don't know. Yeah, I think yeah. um, I think that was you know a fair like a fair um assessment you know of how they're kind of portraying men uh in the family. You know, they're they're portraying the men as weak and the women as strong. You know, the men as the follower, the women as leaders, and that's they kind of definitely followed suit with this movie. But yeah, so basically it's the apocalypse. It's the apocalypse. All of this weird stuff starts to happen. And then you have, this is where you have people talking about the, um, you know, the predictive programming and conspiracy theories, because I believe what they did was, is they, they basically, the writer of this book took the narrative in the conspiracy realm and just threw it in there as it was like almost ridiculous, but Hey, let's turn it into a movie. And like I said, I think that they were making fun of the conspiracy theorist. Um, but yeah, the movie has, like I said, it has so many different layers and I did, I watched, I was watching some Christian commentary on it. There was nothing really strong within the Christian realm that I was getting off of it other than like, Hey, look, this predicts the end times. And that to me, it's like, okay, that's a no brainer. This is, it's much, much deeper than that. And there, there are a lot of things in there that are secret, secret secrets. That's within the Easter egg that even a lot of people wouldn't pick up on unless you intentionally, you know, took everything in that movie as an easter egg and then just started researching it but you know the the first thing that came to my mind 
though, is, you know, the way America thinks, and I, I do I do agree with this, if this is what the writer was going for, you know, this oil tanker, they could see it, you know, maybe five miles out and they could see it coming and they're just chilling. Oh, it's getting closer. Guess what? They're just chilling. Oh, crap. It's getting really close. Yeah, they're still just chilling. Oh, no. Let's get the heck out of here. Right. It's almost like we as Americans, we know subconsciously or consciously that something is coming. And most of us are still just trying to chill, still just trying to live in the world that we have in America. Okay. The girl, the daughter of G.H. of George, they kept they kept showing her tattoo. And I saw the, the tattoo was on one, on one of her shoulders and it was 96. So that was my first thing. I was like, okay, I, I haven't heard anybody talk about this in any of the videos, but the 96 means something. So I looked it up. Okay. Um, the number 96 is a sign. When you see this, it's within angel numerology, which, which is actually Enochian angels is what they're talking about. Um, is that it's a sign from the universe to let go of material attachments and prepare for a new beginning. Mm. And they keep they keep showing this tattoo on the girl. And so, as I said, it's very, very layered in the messaging, you know, of this movie. Now, the question is, is I ask, does Obama, the guy that he did not write it, it was it was a book that he really liked. And apparently he's had a bestsellers list kind of like Oprah does every year. I'm sorry, um, his his not bestseller list, but his favorite books. He releases that list every year. And this movie was on there or this book was on there in 2020 of all years. So this movie was written um, either during the pandemic or pre-pandemic, I want to say it's it was probably written pre-pandemic because most of this stuff was already barreling down. But does Obama believe that something is going to happen? That's my question. Is Does he think that our America is going to be different? Now, let's rephrase the question. Does Obama want a new America? Okay, and the answer is emphatically yes. Obama is a proponent for a new world order, and he he uh, is in the camp of Marxist communist that believe that our country is actually evil and that our consumption is ruining the rest of the world. And that instead of everybody coming up a couple notches in the world, he wants America to be depegged of a couple notches in the world. Do you guys have any any uh, comments on that? I have a lot of comments on that. <laughs> um, yeah, it's the globalist agenda. It's it's Klaus Schwab. It's George Soros. You will own nothing and be happy. Um, yeah, they they actively like want to destroy. America um, and everything that, you know, we stand for as 
believers and as, you know, I mean, people who believe in like the traditional family and biblical values. And yeah, I mean, they, they want to dismantle all of that and you can see it in everything they say and all of their policies. I say they broadly, like the globalists, I feel like y'all know who we're talking about, but. Yeah. Chris. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it definitely sounds like based on the description that you're giving. And that was interesting. I did not catch the, the tattoo um now granted i was watching it on my phone so and only watched it once um but that's fascinating you know it sounds like yeah we're talking about it does sound like predictive programming and i wanted to read a little definition of what uh, predictive programming is Uh, this is from um the ohio state university college of arts and science an article um written by uh Oh, last name is Beaver. Cannot pronounce the first name. It's titled Predictive Programming, April 18th, 2018. And it was published in the Psychology of Extraordinary Beliefs. Predictive programming is theory that the government or other higher ups are using fictional movies or books as a mass mind control tool to make the population more accepting of planned future events. This was first described and proposed by researcher Alan Watt who defines predictive programming as predictive programming is a subtle form of psychological conditioning provided by the media to acquaint the public with planned societal changes to be implemented by our leaders. If and when these changes are put through, the public will already be familiarized with them and will accept them as natural progressions, thus lessening possible public resistance and commotion. So Mike, if what you're saying your assessment of it is true, then it, that sounds like predictive program, programming to me so, as it relates to the 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 Great Reset and like what Tori was saying with, with Kyle Schwab and all those nut jobs, um, you'll own nothing and, and be happy. So it's like kind of setting up a future. And for that to happen, they've got to tear down America. Right. And what we saw um, in that movie at the end of it, you know, they're, they're standing gosh no you're still there okay um they're standing there looking at the city and it's like bombs are exploding you're hearing gunfire and and not too long before that we saw uh kevin bacon's character talking about um well and and george's character uh essentially talking about uh a three-stage plan uh to destroy a, a nation so the first one was to uh, get people isolated. So that's what they did when they shut down like the internet and all that. Nobody could talk to each other. Nobody knew what was going on. Um, and so the second phase is like chaos. And then the third phase is essentially like civil war. Um, so for the great reset to happen, to usher in that you've got to destroy America as we know it. Right. Yeah. So, so is that so, not predicted programming? So, so where I'm seeing it, Right. And so this is this is my like I said, everybody who watches the movie takes something out of it. Uh, Chris, I think it's such so on the nose, like the reason behind them making this movie isn't to get people ready for those exact scenarios that happened in the movie. There is some predictive programming in there, or I should say they're telling us their plan but it's not the obvious stuff where they're telling us the plan. All of this, 
all of the things that happen in the movie. And for instance, we don't know what happened, right? So the, the internet goes out, they think it's hackers, but then Ethan Hawke's character is driving and there's a drone that is dropping propaganda that's like Korean. Um, and then another person had mentioned that there was propaganda that was in air that was in Arabic. So you had two different countries that you could hypothetically point the finger at. And then you had the Teslas blocking the the bridge or blocking the way from Long Island to the city. So we don't know who is at fault like it's never revealed in the movie of who it, who is at fault for that so the way that i saw it right because i'm trying to get into the mind of barack obama like why would a person of that status like this book so much like he's smart like he's 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 a scholar right so he's initiated he's well read and so for this to be like, oh, we're, we're just going to make this movie with all these scenarios in it to, to program people, I think, in my opinion, I think that they put those scenarios in there, like you had the AI going crazy, conspiracy theorists talk about that, you know, the, um, the Koreans bombing the world, people, the conspiracy theories are talking about that. So all, I feel like they took all the stuff that the conspiracy theorists are kind of, you know, putting on the table and saying, hey, look, we're going to make a movie about that. And yeah, we'll put that, we'll put that on the list. But in the meantime, in the in-between, we're going to tell you what's really going on and which they I think that they did. But it wasn't in the obvious things that we were seeing there, if that makes sense. Right. It's like as a conspiracy theorist, and I completely agree with what you're saying, Mike, like it's too on the nose. Um, but then so I was watching and just trying to do like mental gymnastics, like, OK. Yeah, like, so what are they saying? What are they, you know, or is this is this just a big joke? And they're sitting around sipping adrenochrome and laughing at us. And <laughs> and yeah, and you know, at the same time, like, so with the multi-layers that are in this movie, is you do on the face, you have those different conspiracies, but then you do have, I think, which is a pretty honest an honest perspective of social commentary in there as well um, that was taking place between the, you know, the white family and the back black family. You can't deny that the writer was trying to do certain things with that. I felt that part of the movie, I didn't feel like that was conspiratorial. I felt like that was the writer's viewpoint that kind of like white people are always assuming, you know, and that, you know, all of these like, I don't know, microaggressions and stuff that they kind of did bring up, you know, um, that it that it that's a variable within everything that's been going on. So I, I, I think it's honest, an honest perspective. I just don't think it's I don't think it's the true perspective, but if it's coming from that person, you know, you can let them have their own perspective, but, um, but yeah, there, that's one of the layers that you have there. And then you have the dynamic, you know, between, uh, you know, the, just in the family, you know, you had so much, 
um, of how the family, the white family related with each other, um, you know, it was very, very, I would say, deducing down to, you know, basically taking the middle class and, you know, making them uh, just consumers that, you know, watch porn and, and, you know, smoke cigarettes and do what they want to do when they want to do it, you know, um, which I think it's unfair to kind of because they were like this middle class family, you know, and that's who basically the elites are trying to take out is the middle class. They're trying to take out this type of family. And so you don't you wouldn't necessarily get that from the movie, but all of those micro new like those just the micro messaging that's in there is almost painting that the white family as as the problem with America and it needs to go away and thus, you know, bombing bombing the city. Yeah. Mike, why do you think the middle class is seen as a threat by the elites? You know, it's because we're the we're the ones that have all the power. You know, we vote, we work, we have influence, you know, um, and and the middle class, you know, still has um, skin in the game. You know, if you're poor and dependent, you know, and, and if you're poor and you're trying to get out of that, that's different. You know what I'm saying? But if you if you come from poverty and you stay in poverty and you want to stay dependent on the government, you could do that. Right. But you're just, you're, you're a part of the system at that point. Yeah. The middle class, it's like, we still are the ones that are, are voting and have a say pay most of the taxes. And so if they could eliminate the middle class, then they get the vote of the people that are dependent on the system does that make sense yeah no for sure yeah yeah it's like the silent majority and like the people who are independent and hardest to control but um okay so i know we're saying it's not exactly predictive programming and for the last like hour and a half i've been searching for this term because i'm like i know we've talked about it i know other conspiracy podcasts talk about it and i could not think of what it was and i posted all over and sent some of you guys messages so i want to give a shout out to brandon beale because i think he just nailed it this actually wasn't the phrase i was thinking of but he said um it's called revelation of the method so this is the concept i was thinking of and i just looked this up there's a quote from michael a hoffman the second um in his book secret societies in psychological warfare he says the alchemical principle of the revelation of the method has at its chief component a clown-like grinning mockery of the victims as a show of power and macabre arrogance which i would say this movie is when this is performed in a veiled manner accompanied by certain occult signs and symbolic words and elicits no meaningful response of opposition or resistance from the targets, it is one of the most effica efficacious techniques of psychological warfare and mind rape. Mm. So that is what I think is happening. It's like a clown-like, and again, our episode on clowns, a clown-like grinning mockery of the victims as a show of power and macabre arrogance. And it's actually like psychological warfare. And it's it's this like ritualistic. I mean, I, I do think that's happening. I think like the fact that it's so on the nose makes it 
this like arrogant mockery, you know? Exactly, exactly my point. And so what I was going to get to, you know, with with trying to get into Obama's mind, because I've done a lot. I did a lot of research on Obama for one of my documentaries of just like, you know, what he reads, what he has read in the past, what he's influenced by. Um, and those things say a lot. But he he like I said, he's a smart guy. And so they kind of are telling you and I will, I'll, let me just get it out is the fact that the end is going to happen of what of what they're saying you know the one world order is most definitely coming there's no doubt about that it's just in how we get there and so the fact the very fact that brandon texts you the the revel the revelation of the method is the revelation of the method is there but it's not the on the nose type of stuff and so does it happen? Yes, but it's not necessarily what they're kind of poking fun at. It's not Korea or China or the Arabs or AI or even the aliens for that matter. It's, but it's still going to happen. And so GH says something where he tells you, he tells you, he starts to tell you um, exactly how you should start seeing this and how you should start filtering this movie. He'll tell you right in the movie. He says that, that the, the crazy thing is, and he was talking about conspiracy theories. He said that conspiracy theories to blame it on an evil cabal. He says it's too easy. He says the truth is much scarier. Okay. Now, in my mind, we can, there's two different ways we could look at this. He says the truth is much scarier. And then he goes on to say that no one is in control. Okay. But if you take off, I think you could take off the no one is in control and kind of fill in the blank there because I think that that's what he really meant to say is that. Yeah, the conspiracy theories, they're there. They're so easy to blame it on that. But the truth is much scarier. Now, what is that truth, right? Now, we kind of we kind of understand the truth. We understand the agenda that's happening, um, you know, especially Christians in, in our realm. But do they my, – my question is, is – <laughs> Does a guy like Obama realize that he's playing right into biblical prophecy? Because the fact is to say that no one's in control, that's kind of funny to say, because that's not true, right? We know that there's that that there are groups, countries, factions that have that have control and then at least have influence. So what is that truth that's much scarier that GH in the movie is talking about? That's a great question, Mike, and I really hope you have an answer because I want to know. And I'm wondering <laughs> if if we if you take that even further, right? Like the events that are happening in the world, like nobody's pulling the strings, there's no evil cabal. If you take that a step or multiple steps further, could that be kind of like an atheistic view as well? Um, 
in the sense that there's there's no God. God's not controlling things, not pulling any strings. Um, you're just on your own. So there's in that, there's no hope. There's no hope of salvation. There's no hope of rescue. You're just, you know, out here, uh, you know, kind of being being pushed and pulled by evolutionary processes, survival of the fittest. There's no God. God is dead. Yeah. Well, you know, I think, I think, you know, if we want to fill in that blank, because I don't believe, I don't believe for a second that no one is in control. Now I feel that I feel that they added that line in there so people kind of can take a deep breath. Okay, cool. You know, no one's in control. You know, that this movie's it's not re it's not real. And it's and it's really not real. Um, but I feel like they put it in there so the audience could kind of just take a breath and knowing that, hey, look, this is this is pretty lighthearted at the end of the day. But yeah, we we know who's in control. You know what I mean? And you at yeah, and you could you cannot point the finger without without the unseen realm, right? You would need to overlay the unseen realm. And be and now we could point the finger. It it literally is a spiritual conspiracy, and there's certain things that need to happen. America does need to fall, as I said, but does it fall the way that they're saying it's going to fall? And I don't believe it does. I believe America um, diminishes over time. I don't. I do not think that we're going to get blown up or invaded. I think that we're we are going to be and we already are going to be invaded from the inside out. It's like an almost an intellectual um, invasion of ideology that will end up destroying us. And so I don't think, I, I do not believe we're gonna have a civil war. I know a lot of conspiracy theorists talk about that. I don't believe, I don't believe that the world, that the internet, and social media portrays, I do not believe that 90% of the people out there actually buy into it. And there was um, a line that I loved in this movie where uh, they're just having a conversation and they're talking about, about uh, media being an escape for people or is it a reflection of how people really are? Right. So you're looking at it from a different perspective, like like a social media, just an escape or is it like a true reflection of who we are? And when I look at social media and then I actually go out there and talk to people, the world is not like what they're portraying, at least where I live and where I've lived. And I've you know lived in some pretty big cities. I think when you talk to people one on one, they really do care for one another. They're pretty cool. They're not going to hate you for liking Obama, you know, or, or liking Trump or liking the color red. You know, most people don't roll like that, but yet the internet tries to tell you that they do. Yeah. I always think it's interesting when you meet someone and think that they're a normal person and then you follow their Instagram and they're like an Instagram celebrity and you're like, Oh, like I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it, like have a perfectly curated page and 10,000 followers. You're like, Oh, <laughs> um, okay. Mike, you said something and it was a line from the movie about 
no one is in control and how that's like even scarier. And I don't know why this might just be the Chick-fil-A unsweet tea talking here, but like I just started thinking about like the screw tape letters um, by C.S. Lewis and how they refer to God. Um, how do they refer to God? They use like revert, like opposite terms. So like um, they call Satan, like our father below. Um, and I don't remember what they call God, but basically like the enemy or something. And so just even that line, like no one is in control, you know, like it's much scarier than that. And I was just thinking like, you know, God's name, you know, like as he reveals it in the old Testament is like, I am, you know, and that was like, what's like the opposite of I am like no one, you know, but I don't know. I just, cause I feel like they always do like opposite backwards, everything, you know, and like, I don't know. It's just like, well, you know, I am is in control, but like, of course they would say like, no one is in control and that's scary. I don't know. I don't know if there's anything to that. I just, I don't know. No. Yeah. I think that there is. I mean, I think that's exactly, I mean, now that I look at it, the, I mean, I feel like that's, that's probably very, very intentional to say that no one's in control. Cause I mean, really we are, you know, even if we're a Christian conspiracy theorist, we understand that God's in control um, it, and it's because it's a movie and he says that line, it makes me feel like they feel that they're in control, right? And they could say whatever they want to say. And the, tr you know what I'm saying? It's like a, they're just yeah. using reverse psychology in a way. Right, exactly. Well, and it's it's also the whole like the greatest trick the devil ever pulled is convincing the world he isn't real, you know? So like that's always what they want. Like they want people to think conspiracy theorists are crazy for thinking that there's an agenda that there's a cabal or that there's you know whether it's like the globalists luciferians nephilim like i mean one in the same i think you know like the greatest trick is just to convince everyone like that doesn't exist that's not happening these people are crazy you know yeah so if you take that if you take that line though and I think that you can filter the whole movie through the line of the truth is much scarier, right? So here they are presenting these quote unquote conspiracy theories of how America falls. They never tell you right, right on, but they give you little, you know, threads to pull on. And now they're now my question is, right, is like what really does happen that makes America fall. Now I contend personally, like I said, I think we just kind of fade into oblivion, but what if there was, what if there is a whole nother end game that they do have, which is a possibility I'll entertain, you know, they never really, they didn't mention the alien thing. Um, and I think the reason why they didn't was, is because I feel like that it would have been, you know, playing, one card too many of letting people know that we're joking around with this whole thing because nobody would take that serious that isn't within our space that's just that's just a fact if you think an alien invasion is coming and you could use the bible to talk about it and prove it i love you i love you but the the average person watching this movie is not going to just accept that you know and smile at what you're saying you know what I'm, you know what I mean? Um, and that's, so they're, they're not really worried about us so much. Um, but they're making, like I said, you know, they're poking at the middle class. They're poking at, you know, people that, that want America to stay the same. And that was, uh, Kevin Bacon's 
character. That's what he kind of represented was the guy that was like, you know, I'm going to protect what I have, you know, like he's an enemy, like he's wrong. You're not wrong for protecting and, and, and you work your whole life for stuff and you want to protect your property, protect your family and you're an evil white person. That's kind of weird. That's that's really weird that you would want to paint people like that, you know, Chris. Uh, yeah, man. Yeah, so with, with Kevin Bacon's character, I, I spotted it like from the jump. I'm like, OK, this is your your average like American uh not even white American, just like rural guy. He's a contractor. Um, you know, he, he stores, uh, you know, food and supplies spends, you know, get stuff every weekend for that. And what I thought was interesting. So there's a point in the movie when, uh, Julia Roberts son, uh, gets like sick, like his teeth start falling out. We think it's from a bug bite. It might be from, uh, some sort of, um, Direct like hypersonic uh, weapon or something, but they're not sure. So his teeth are falling out and George's character um, remembers that, okay, my contractor, Kevin Bacon's character, you know, he's one of these like prepper guys, you know, he, he he's prepared for this. He's going to be prepared. So they go to his house and this picture that's painted is like, they're trying to get medicine from him and they think, Oh, because he has prepared, like they have the right, like he has to help them. Uh, and so it's a, it was a sense of entitlement. That's what it was. Um, and it seemed to me and you know, my Tori, tell me what you think. It seems like they were trying to make, you know, you kind of your average American who maybe is like preparing for this kind of stuff to like take care of their family for being wrong if they weren't willing to just give whatever someone showing up on their doorstep asked for, because like, Oh, you prepared. I didn't. So you should give to me, provide for me. Yeah, that was, that was, that was a good, a very, very good point. I didn't, I didn't pick up on that necessarily, but good catch on that. Um, but yeah, they did, they did kind of feel, and they, they, they kept pushing at it and, you know, and I could see just from his angle, the Kevin Bacon character, is like you get get out of here, man. Like you know, <laughs> but at the same time, you know, I wouldn't be like that, you know. But yeah, you're not entitled, you know. If you're making fun of those people, and then it comes down to where you need something from them, you're go. I'm telling you, man. You know, I when when something like that, if it does happen in America, where do you think a lot of people are gonna go? They're gonna go to the Christians. And they're going to they're going to hit them up, you know, not only for, you know, spiritual food, but for actual food. Um, yeah, but you, you got to be you got to be careful because in in those first like two, three days, like people will go crazy. Like, I mean, we, there's examples of like anytime there's like a riot in the city, like people will burn everything, break into anywhere, steal anything and and George's character even mentioned no it wasn't George Kevin Bacon's character was when he was trying to get them to leave and go away mm -hmm. he told them about their other neighbors who he was pretty sure they had built a doomsday shelter um, because another guy had done the work so he was like you need to go over there and later on George's character was like we need to get to that we need we need to get there and it's like 
that desperation is is a is a real thing because it does happen like there's examples all over the world when there's like um natural disasters like people loot and steal and murder and it's insane so i don't know i think i think there is an aspect where if if we're in and not even like in time scenario it literally could just be a natural disaster like you kind of got to be, you know, be careful of like who you help, how you help them, um, because people are going to be looking to steal, kill and destroy, you know. I will say, um, I don't know, I try not to live in like scarcity mindset. And like I, I, you know, try to prepare. I'm not like the most prepa- prepared prepper out there. Um, but I will say it felt like it felt like a sweet thing when like people who you know, were like vaccinated and who were totally pooping on the whole idea of ivermectin for a couple of years, like when they've gotten sick and then they've been like, do you have ivermectin? And I've been like, yes, I do. Here you go. <laughs> <laughs> Glad you thought of me. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, no. I think definitely it's, it's our, it'll be our duty in some, some capacity or respect, you know, in, in, in a, crazy situation like that to offer you know what we can without putting ourselves and our families at risk absolutely absolutely you gotta you gotta play your your cards close and uh uh totally totally agree with you on that one but if it's my if it's my neighbor that you know what i'm saying i'm he you know i'm gonna help him out right away you know um uh anyway um yeah, it's it all depends on it's situational, you know, and if we ever, you know, it's it's very possible that we even have a scenario like that in America before it's end times. You know what I mean? Cuz America is not in the Bible in my opinion. You know what I mean? Like we're we're a, a a pimple on a pig's butt when it comes to like the <laughs> the the aggregate story. You know what I mean? Like like we're only relevant right now because we have the the world currency and we're still predominantly a military um you know nation that can kick anybody's butt that comes our way but it's not going to be like that forever so um so I wanted so I wanted to run this past you guys because I had this thought right about the kid who his teeth started falling out. And so when his teeth started falling out, I started, I'm like, you know what? Maybe this is all a dream, right? I mean, cause I've had these dreams where my teeth are falling out and I'm literally, you know, pulling my teeth out. And so check this out. This is another like layer upon layer. If you just research and you just ask Google, like what are dreams of your teeth falling out? What do they symbolize? And it symbolizes anxiety, insecurity, or loss. And um, it just, you know, the, the way that he was pulling his teeth out, it just didn't seem real because it seemed like, like I would do in a dream. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So maybe the yeah. whole thing was just a dream. Yeah. I don't know. Dystopian nightmare. Well, yeah. The other thing is like, I don't really understand Chris and you're not the only one I've heard this from other people, but like 
I don't really understand like enjoying the movie because I feel like the whole thing was a dystopian nightmare. Like I feel like it's supposed to make you feel icky and like evoke fear and like, you know, I feel like, mm-hmm. the, whole, I feel like the whole movie was like a teeth falling out nightmare. <laughs> right, right. Mm. I don't really enjoy this personally. Yeah. Explain, explain that's, yourself, that's Chris. Yeah. I'm yeah, just... yeah, Chris. Well, okay, so I will just say like I appreciate um kind of every genre of film i don't really watch to me that wasn't a thriller i guess depending on who you are and how sensitive you are to stuff that might be considered like kind of a thriller um but i don't really watch like the horror genre and stuff anymore just because it's just that kind of stuff is inherently demonic um typically but I just, I appreciate film. Um, so like some of the like cinematography and the camera angles and, and some of the dialogue and stuff was um, to me was, was interesting. And I think it was very artistic. Um, I will, to be honest, the beginning of the movie, I was like asking myself, would I watch this movie if we weren't going to be talking about it, you know, kind of do watching it as, as homework. And at the beginning, I was like, I don't know. Um, but the way it ended, I thought was so interesting. So there's there's a part of the movie where the little girl, she's like 13 or 14 years old, and she's been watching the show Friends. And uh, she just had the finale, the season finale to watch. And so the whole movie, she's like anxious about like how how this is going to end. She's like, what's going to happen with Ross and Rachel? Um and she can't watch it because the internet goes down. And so she's like anxious about it the whole time. Well, the way the movie ends at the very end, this little girl, like she, she finds that ha- she goes to that house because it's on the other side of these woods. She goes to the house where there's that doomsker, right? She finds the bunker and in the bunker, they have this like huge library of DVDs and she finds friends and she puts in the DVD, she clicks, and it's the episode, I think it's titled The Last One, and then she clicks on it, and then that's how the movie ended. Um, so I don't know, just from like an artistic perspective, I thought that was interesting. And I don't know, Mike, like, what do you think that the kind of the messaging there, the symbolism there was as far as like, you know, when you- The end of it being her clicking on The Last One. Yeah, you know, um, I I definitely think that they're they are speaking through that, and they're also speaking through the song itself. And so, you know, I watched maybe a handful of reviews on the movie, and um, I think like at least three of three of the guys kind of had the same the same uh, assessment of that, of the song. Cause they played the friends song at the end, you know, I'll be there for you. And they're like, yeah, at, at the end of the day, we are who we are. We, but we love each other and we'll come around and we'll be there for you. That's what they took from that song, which I didn't take that from that song. The first time I watched it at all. Like I took the actual lyrics of the song um, to be speaking more to me. And like, as I said earlier, whoever, you know, 
100 people watch the film, 100 different, 100 different views on it. But, you know, the song talks about, you know, you're broke, your job's a joke, you know, your love life sucks, you know, and basically saying that this is what it's going to be like for everybody. Like if you listen to the and I don't I'm sorry, I don't have the lyrics here in front of me um, to the to the verses, but the verses really kind of talk about bad luck. But then, hey, I'll be there for you. And that's what I, that's what was ringing true to me. And I was hearing those words a lot more than I'll be there for you, you know. So um, well, I think we should pull up. Should we pull up the lyrics? I'm sure I for the heck. Don't even bother. I've got them burned in my brain. Dude, go. <laughs> Corey, Corey what's up? You're holding out. Go. Uh, your job's a joke. You're broke. You love life's DOA. Your mother told you there'd be days like these. See? But. She didn't tell you when the world brought you to your knees that I'd be See? there for you. <laughs> See? See? It's, 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 it's the world's going to bring you to your knees and they're hearing I'll be there for you. But no, that's what I'm hearing. Sorry. Mm. Yeah, you're like, so does that. You're still does in that, bed at 10 and work began at 8. You burned your breakfast. Stuff I think. Does that go back? Sorry. Does sorry, that go yeah. back? Does that go back to the whole. Um, you'll own nothing and be happy. Like, you know, great reset kind of thing. Like, you know, it as could, far as those lyrics go. Well, it could, it could, but the whole, the whole idea though, if you think about, again, I'm, I'm jump trying to jump in Obama's mind is that, yeah, you would have less stress if you didn't own anything. And the the world, if you let go of the world and the America that we know now, let go of it. Number 96 tattoo. Remember that from the beginning. Let go of that. This is a new beginning. You're going to have less stress on the other side of this quote unquote change. Right. And I think that is where the predictive programming is. Right. And that's the messaging that they're that they're giving us in the finality of it is that the system that we live in now, it's broken, it's stressful, who can manage, right? And then the world that they have for us, the Obamas and the Biden, well, Biden doesn't even, he's nobody, but the Obamas and, you know, the the Bilderbergs and the United Nations and the World Economic Forum, all of that camp, the world that they have for us, they're saying it's going to be much better than the one that we have now, because the one that we have now, it's causing too much stress on the human. And um, that is such a good lie, though, you know, that so many that people will buy and that will eventually that will eventually take place and then lead to the new world order. You know, it's just, it's just, when does that happen? You know, I think it, be, I think it happens like seriously happens putting all jokes aside when, you know, the Christian population, you know, is, you know, a fraction of a percent on the earth, you know, but who knows? Mm -hmm. Yeah. When I think about the great reset, tell me if y'all have y'all seen the movie Wally. It's like a cartoon. Love that movie. I didn't finish it. I hated it. Oh, really? <laughs> Today, so, today's color well, is red. Corey, the, here's the, here's literally the only thing I remember about that movie. At one point, there's like, I don't know if this is like a ship, and there's these people 
they're they're like so fat and they're so lazy like they don't have to do anything right so they're they're on these like floating like mechanical like lazy boys right because this is like a futuristic movie and basically they've gotten so fat and so lazy because they don't have to work their meals they don't even eat their meals are given to them in shakes they lay in their lazy boys just consuming entertainment all day drinking these shakes um their bones like aren't connected anymore because they don't have to walk they just like float around in these chairs um that's what i think about whenever i think about like the you'll own nothing and be happy you know like with the it's just like everything's just going to be provided for you it's going to be great you're not going to have to do anything and it's just like it just sounds miserable like on its face it's like oh yeah that'd be kind of nice like no responsibilities but then it's like wait you're like wait a second i'm essentially i would become a slave at that point yeah and that's what made america that's what makes america i mean we're still living at the at the end of it but that's what makes america such a great nation is it's the part where if you really really want to you could go out there and and do these things like make a movie anybody can make a movie if you want right and just get good at it whatever it is just become the best at what you do and you'll end up you know with a career you know in that area now i'm not saying that you could be whatever you want to be i'm not saying that especially when you get to be you know, in your mid forties, changing your whole life, like I did, but, but the opportunities that are there in front of us are there because of competition and because of capitalism and because of a free market. It's not there because we're told what to do, what to eat. I mean, well, we kind of are, but, but we have, we have a lot of choices at this moment in time. Okay, there's a lot of uh, the, the, the future that they have for us is good for the physical part of the of, of humanity. They say it's for the greater good. It is for the greater good because, yeah, everybody will eat, but everybody will be pissed off. Everybody will be sad. Everybody's going to be depressed and everybody's going to be poor. Okay, in their new world that they have for us, but it's for the greater good because everybody will get to eat now, you know. So I don't know. Everybody will be poor except for them. Exactly. Be very, right. very, very wealthy. <laughs> exactly. Do I remember okay. Michelle Michelle Obama? And I'll, I'm sorry, I remember Michelle Obama. She when she was first lady and she was doing this school program to bring like food in to these low income schools and oh my gosh like if i was in poverty just because of the crap that she brought into these schools i wouldn't have voted for him for a second term because it was it was embarrassing it was disgusting all meanwhile you know their kids you know, are getting like filet mignon and like pudding for dessert at their school it truly says that you know, the elite want to be, be the influence. They want to be in charge and they don't, they want to have the things that you don't have, but that's why they got to take it from the middle class. 
because we can still eat filet mignon. We can still do those things if we work hard enough for those things. So yeah, yeah. The Obamas, I'm sorry, guys. The Obamas are, I think they're satanic. I think at the core of, of their existence, whether they realize it or not, you know, I I'm think pretty that, sure they do. Yeah, I think that, you know, he, I think he's he's definitely being influenced by some really dark entities. Um, very, like, very sad. Big Mike. Yeah. <laughs> big Mike. <laughs> All right, I'm done. Okay, so, <laughs> no, well, I'm going to ask you a question, Mike. Um, so please don't be done. Okay. All right. Distill down for us, like, what you think and when I say distill down, I mean like talk to me like I'm a third grader. Yeah. Like, what do you think the point of the movie is? Yeah. So from their perspective. So okay. So let me. I'll I'll do it. I'll try to give it to you in in two different layers. Okay. Um, let's just say I am that third grader, and I'm pushing play, right? Or I'm just that person, and I'm I'm the everyday American. I'm going to work. I'm not paying attention to the news that much. I'm not paying attention to conspiracy theories. I'm not overly religious. I just want to take care of my family. And I got Netflix. I turn on this movie, right? The first layer that, that they're trying to give you is how ridiculous some of these conspiracy theories are, right? And that I walk away from that movie thinking it was just a movie I don't think that it was predictive programming because it was just too crazy to believe, right? That this that this would actually happen. But underneath that, right? The 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 message that they're that they're telling us that they want that they want us to walk away with, I think, um is that the America that we live in right now is unsustainable. And it's going to change. It's going to be a different America very soon. And, it, you know, Obama may be kind of like poking the bear saying, you know, putting the, the evil cabal part in there. But then having George kind of iron that out with this, the truth is much scarier. Right. Now, what is that truth? Like I said, what is that truth? Is the truth? that no one is in control, like he says, or is there a scarier truth behind that? And I think ultimately the, there is a scarier truth behind that. And I don't think that we have it figured out. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't feel like there's a, there's a Christian YouTuber out there that's nailed it, you know, and that is truly warning people, right? Like from an actual scenario, I think it's, you know, and even with the alien topic, and we talked about this before, is I feel like there's a lot of parts do make sense. But by the time this thing plays out, I think ideology is going to be different. I think a lot is going to change that will kind of change, I guess, for lack of a better term, like kind of like move those pawns around in a different position. It's not going to be exactly what we think is basically what I'm saying. And so what is that bigger truth? And I think that they want that, even though he answered it, I think they want that as an open-ended question. But yeah, at the end of the day, the America that we live in 
is gone, no longer going to be that way. And you better get ready for a new beginning. You better get ready to, to kind of like comply with the new world order that's coming. Well, we know what Tori's going to do. You guys know I'm not going to comply. You guys <laughs> know, what is that, episode six or something? You guys know I'm going to get my head chopped off and it's going yeah. to be fine. Um, yep. Well, hey, to plug, you know, my favorite book, The Deep State Encyclopedia by Really Graceful. Y'all should get it. If you haven't, we should link it on our website. Have we linked it? We have not linked it, but we actually it. it was given to me as a gift. I don't even know where you get it. Is it on Amazon? Um, I don't know. I'll find it and I'll I'll send you the link. Um, then we'll link All it. All right. Cool. By the time you guys hear this, we'll have this figured out. Um, the Deep State Encyclopedia. And I'm using a really fancy bookmark. It's a paper towel. So, um, but she has a chapter on the Obama family. Interesting. Guys, in case I didn't say this last time, like the thing I love about this book is obviously as a conspiracy theorist, people are always asking for sources and people always think you're just making stuff up. Everything in this book is a stone cold fact. She cites her sources. And so if you took this to any any family event, any friend event, any work event, I probably wouldn't recommend it, but I'm just saying <laughs> no one can say that any of this is made up. And if they do, you just be like, oh, why don't we go to HTTPS <laughs> forward slash forward slash PON.harvard.edu slash, you know, like she puts the links there. So anyway, I just love it. And there's all kinds of links about the Obama family. So love it. Yeah. Interesting. About Barack and his husband. Oh. <laughs> <Great. laughs> Sorry, we're not talking about that. We're not exactly. talking about that. Exactly. I was gonna say, <laughs> I've, I've seen that video. I've watched it, you know, on repeat. I don't know, Wait, man. I'm, where he slip ups and says, Michael. Not, not only that, there's the one where she's dancing and there's like something going on in between. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Just, just, it's <laughs> oh, I've, yes, I've seen that. I've anyway. seen that one as well. Yes. Yeah. And Joan Rivers, Joan Rivers said that she huh. was a tranny and then like died very shortly after. Yeah. Kind of yeah. We've all seen, we've, we've been watching the same, the same TikToks. The same Instagram reels. The biggest smoking gun to me though, is that like Obama was really close with this guy named Michael, whatever his last name was. Um, and they were like besties all throughout college. And then all of a sudden this person just disappears off the face of the earth, like does not exist anymore. Um, and then Michelle looks exactly like this guy and he calls her Michael like over and over. Anyway, I just think all of that's interesting. Yeah. I'll tell you, you know, uh, teleprompter or no teleprompter. If I ever called my wife by a man's name, I, I'm just telling you, man, I'd be sleeping on the couch for a couple of nights. So. Yeah, that would be a huge problem. Yeah. And it has not well, even so, just happened once. Yeah. Well, you know, sometimes guy, you know, a guy will call, you know, his wife or his current girlfriend by the name of like a previous, just kind of your brain, just whatever. <laughs> and even if that's what happened with Barack still mentioning a dude named Michael, you know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, no, definitely agreed. Um, hey, what's the over under on us getting sued by um, the Obamas? I think we're good. We've been pretty nice compared to other conspiracy theories, <laughs> theorists out there. So I think we're good. All right. All right. Cool, cool, cool. Um, 
Wow. Well, let's land this plane. Yeah, let's do it. Um, okay, so I'm going to give this zero popcorn bags out of five. <laughs> um, I do not recommend it. Not a good time. Not family friendly. They say the F word a lot. And like I said, if I had children, if you guys are listening to this and you have children, like I wouldn't want my children to model the behavior of anybody in the movie. So I just, you know, I didn't care for it. 100%. Okay. Zero out of, you said, what is this out of five? I said zero out of five, but zero out of 10 too. I mean, same, yeah. same square. Zero, same, <laughs> zero <yeah>. is zero. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, if we're doing out of five, I'll give it, uh, I'll give it 2.5 out of five. You know, not the best movie ever. I don't, I wouldn't watch it again. Um, I probably would have watched it even if we, I would have got around to watching it, even if we weren't kind of covering it. Uh, so I don't know. It was okay. Not great. Yeah. I feel like not the, I, I feel like I, I, I do feel like if I, if I can step back from just myself, you know, and what I know and like my own head, it's sort of brilliant in the layers of conspiracy stuff because look, we didn't even really scratch the surface. There's so much more that they that they hid in there that that we could find if we really wanted to go through it, right? And so from that part, I'm kind of like it's brilliant, but the movie, like again, like the the music that they used, the underscore of when certain things were happening. It was just like, I felt like they were making fun of me. Like they were making fun of my conspiracy theorist brothers and sisters. That's all I'm going to say, you know, because they all this scary music over conversation about conspiracy theories. So at the end of the day, I'll give it just the one. I'll give it the one. I, I, I only think it's brilliant because of the layers. Other than that, the movie sucked. The story... <laughs> <laughs> the, the the story uh, is the acting sucks. <laughs> yeah this has been fun it's been real been real fun we are out of here camp on tori camp on mike until next time peace merry christmas shalom Welcome to Camp Herman. This ain't a planned sermon, it's a welcome to Camp Herman. Yeah. Welcome to Camp Herman.